In modern football, the, the most celebrated players are the big-bodied midfielders who are built like Goliaths, but able to play with the athletic dynamism of someone maybe built half their size. It's the norm now. 25 years ago, there was only one bloke doing that. He was the first to do it. He was the pioneer of the modern AFL player, Carlton Premiership player, Carlton captain, AFL MVP, Hall of Famer, All-Australian, Anthony Kudafidis. Kuda, welcome to the show. Glenn, thanks very much, mate. Uh, great to be on here with you. I really do appreciate it. I don't know if I like the couple of those frames in the background, mate, but we can talk about that later on, I'm sure. <laughs> well, for the benefit of those uh, listening, so a bit of Collingwood memorabilia on the wall. <laughs> and actually, this is probably the thing I should have led with. The best thing about Kuda is growing up a Collingwood supporter. You're, you're a Collingwood supporter deep at heart, surely. Yeah, I was like, no, to be honest, I grew up, I, my first uh, local football club was East Thomas down there, the black and white. Yeah. I can't recall if I was already a Collingwood supporter before then or whether that was the reason why I became a Collingwood supporter. But our school, our, lo our local primary school, like it, it was, it was everyone was either Carlton or Collingwood. It was very rare to even see any other teams. And if there was, it was very like minimal amounts of numbers. So it was either Collingwood or Carlton. Real weird when you think about it nowadays, but uh, I did grow up. Crying every year because Collingwood would lose, but I did celebrate the 1990 Premiership, although I was like at cold and, and almost signed my first contract just after that grand final, pretty much. I was still a mad uh, Collingwood supporter at that stage. Well, actually, I read something where you and your great mate, Ange Christou, yeah. uh, would obviously you're at Carlton at this stage in those early years, and then you'd finish your game, what, the under 19s or something. And then Ange would have the Collingwood jumpers in the bag. Yeah. You put the Collingwood jumpers on, you go watch the Pies play and win. What's Is that right? Very good. Very close. Yeah, like Ange was mad. Collingwood supported love Peter Dacos. And so we would turn up in the under-19s. You know, we'd play our game early, but Ange would always have his Collingwood uh, Guernsey in his bag. So as soon as you shout, man, he used to go off. And, like, I remember walking out of the change room, like, ah, he'd call me Feedy. He'd go, anyone looking? And I'm like, I had to look around and make sure no Carl and people were looking. And, off came the Carlton Windsheeter, on came the Collingwood Guernsey, off he went to watch uh, Collingwood play. He just, you know, he absolutely loved them. Like, as much as I loved them, I never, I never really went to games as such, but he was, like, literally mad and just watched, you know, Peter Douglas's every single move. And so that's how crazy he was for the Collingwood Football Club. Isn't that fantastic? Well... Yeah, for, for anyone over the age of sort of I don't know, 25, 30, jump on YouTube and have a look at Anthony Kudafidis play football. It'll blow your mind. I mean, the, the 2000 season, arguably the best individual season in the history of football, averaged 26 disposals, six marks, two goals a game. But perhaps the 99 prelim, the last quarter, sums you up the best. And it's one of the greatest games of football. Uh, you know, the most heartbreaking game for Essendon supporters, maybe ever. And equally, the, the greatest game for Carlton supporters, apart from premierships. In the last quarter, you get thrown in the midfield. You get thrown in the midfield about two minutes in. Ten touches, six marks, two goals. You win the game for Carlton. Stephen Kernahan called it the greatest quarter of football ever played. Take us back to that day. What was going through your head when you get the call? You're going into the midfield. The game's on the line uh, at a grand final appearance the next week. It's all on the line, and it's up to you to do it. Uh, I think I always prided myself in a big being a big game performer ever since I was a junior too. And it, you know, we talk athletics, and I had a really good junior athletic career. I would always perform my best on the big occasions. I don't know why it was. I don't know whether it was the build up of it or the nerves didn't get to me. I'm not sure. I'm not saying I played great in every big game, but the prelim final was one of those big games. And uh, I remember before the game, 
I, no, I love John Elliott. I, I really did. And uh, I remember him coming into the change rooms and he, he came up and he goes, Kuda, I've got a funny feeling about today. And I'm thinking, mate, are you serious? Like, we've lost Essendon by 40-odd points the first time we played and we lost by 70-odd points the next time. I mean, they were pretty much the unbeatables going into that game. And I was hearing that Essendon supporters were lining up for grand final tickets. So this was almost going to be like a training drill for them, which is fair enough. I mean, we weren't the most consistent team that year at our best. We were great. We had a great list of players and it was really just, you know, a matter of us putting it together. Now, Jack came in and I, I don't know, he got me going, right? He got me even thinking of the past, like 1970s, 80s, like, being a Collingwood supporter, you know, every time that Carlton were behind, they'd somehow come out and win and do these unbelievable things. And that was all part of their culture. And I'm thinking, does he know something I don't know? Now, whether he got the other players just as, you know, hyped up, I'm not sure. The 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 atmosphere, as you would expect anyway, for a prelim final in the change rooms were just, I, I couldn't wait to get out. You know I mean? We're all each to just get out. It was Although it may not have been the perfect day, in my mind, as I'm running out the race, I'm thinking this is the perfect Melbourne day to play footy. And uh, there we were at halftime, like, like, oh, I'm walking in thinking, oh, my God, we could be in another grand final here. Well, what's going on? Anyway, they come out in the third quarter and did what they should have done all four quarters. They kicked seven goals, seven against us, and we're actually leading by three-quarter time. So we might have been three goals in front, and then all of a sudden we're two goals behind, maybe three-quarter time. They play an outstanding quarter. I was, I was in the back pocket on Stephen Alessio. I'm watching the ball go over my head thinking oh, we're in trouble here. And then I remember walking to um, to the boys, you know, to to the to David Park and there the, uh, at the huddle. I, I forgot the, uh, the name of it. And I remember, I don't know, like Wayne Britton was pretty much taking control of everything at that stage also, although he was assistant, pretty much making all the moves. Barry Mitchell was sort of there, you know, helping. And I remember walking there and uh, just thinking, please, whatever you do, just put me in the midfield. Because I felt really good that day. I've just been itching and playing midfield. But because I was so versatile, I had to, like, sacrifice a lot of my game. Whether they needed me up forward, I had to play up forward. If they needed me down back, I had to play down back. And so – but I knew my best footy was in the midfield. And and as I went into the uh, huddle three-quarter time, I was waiting. I didn't get the call. But then – Last quarter, Essendon must have kicked the first goal. I'm not 100% sure. I need to go back and have a look. And then I was like, I seen the runner come to me and I thought, he's going to say I'm in the midfield now. I knew it. I knew it was coming then. And that was here yeah, two, three minutes in. And, uh, yeah, I was just like an excited young kid. And so, you know, I went out there. And uh, I remember the first one, it must have been after the centre bounce I, I, as I got called. And then uh, Justin Murphy had the ball half forward flank. And I was down the other side of the, the ground on the wing. And I was sprinting, thinking, just wait, just wait, Murph, just wait. And he must have seen me because he kicked it in long in the top of the square. And then, you know, I was able to mark the ball and, you know, kick that goal. And uh, we, we started to get going then. And it was an unbelievable game. And uh, it was so close right to the end. And like what you said, Lachlan, I, I believe, apart from all the premierships, this, for the people that in particular were around back in those days, the people that were at the ground, the people that stopped apparently when they were driving, they pulled over the side of the road. For the people that couldn't make it, they were just going crazy for this game in particular. Current supporters would probably be the, the greatest game that they'll you know ever remember. Well, that's oh, and, and the thing is that the key thing you were able to do was completely change the momentum of the game. Like we just saw in the grand final, you know, a month or so ago, you know, the doggies up by three, and then suddenly Melbourne flick it, and then it's gone. Similar pattern like what you're talking about, Carlton up, then Essendon come firing in the third quarter. So easily that could have been, you know, curtains for Carlton. You changed it. 
what about like the fact that you as you as you're describing you just got that attitude that you want to be the man to get it done how did is that something that just comes natural to you or or is it yeah how, can you describe that that winning mentality that you had and have I'm not sure. I think it is just being competitive. Always have been ever since I was a young kid. Had an older brother, Paul, who was 13 months older than me. We went to battle every day, you know. And uh, whatever I needed to do to win, you know, I, I did it back then. It was always good when I had an older brother who was, like, really well-respected locally. He was a great footballer, great athlete. And uh, I think always held a little bit higher esteem than me in terms of sports. I guess I was more to that, that skinny kid that was so athletic and probably had this little bit of more natural talent than my brother but he might have been a little bit more hard working than myself and maybe things came a little bit easier for me and I remember when he became state uh, 110 meter hurdles champion I thought okay let's go man it's time for me to really up the ante on my hurdles and not only did I become a state champion I became Australian champion in the 110 hurdles with an Australian record and this is when I was you know Australian champion in the high jump until Tim Forsyth came along so uh, you know, and, you know, I did a lot of decathlon, like multi-events and stuff where I was, you know, I won so many of them. It was all because of, you know, me competing with my brother. But in saying that too, the, the area that I grew up in, the northern part of Melbourne, Laylor, Thomastown area, there was a lot of, you know, migrants that, you know, that migrated there. And, uh, you know, a lot of Australians too, but it was just, it was a young area of young kids and families. And there was so yeah. many of us that played and loved sport. And that made it just so much easier for us because we had like a ton of mates that just played footy, cricket and whatever we did, you know, jumped to the, uh, over the primary school fences and we played all day, every day long outside and that's what we did. And, you know, all the guys that were around back then pushed me to become a better sports person. We were all very competitive and that's probably where it really came, came from. And I think also prided myself on a big, you know, big game performance kind of, you know, person that, I probably just instilled, you know, over my journey. I want to talk about that. In terms of where Carlton's at at the minute, like, uh, you know, I know that you guys at Carlton had that attitude. In finals football, that's where you come to play and it's where you win. Yeah. Um, over the last 25 years, for Carlton supporters, I mean, even I, as a Collingwood supporter, you actually feel genuinely a little bit heartbroken for Carlton, the fact there has been so much struggle. Like, there's a generation of Carlton supporters that don't know what Carlton greatness is. How do you turn it around, Kurt? How, how can you flick the switch in terms of culture and get it going back the right way? It's not easy. I think it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of time. I, I'm still, you know, like I, I sit here and just think, wow, Carlton Football Club. You know, if we think back 70s, 80s and 90s, wow. Well, you know, what an institution they built through great leadership. And I know when I got there, to remember, I was a Collingwood supporter. My brother was Carlton. He would be cheering every year and I'd be crying. But I lived in the Carlton zone and so... I ended up at the Carlton Football Club. So I got to experience the last 11 or 12 years of this most incredible football club. But that doesn't include the time that I spent there in the under-19s and the under-15s too. So from afar, I was able to watch it. But the first time I walked through the corridors, and I remember walking through, looking in the corridors and the 200-game players, you know, with their their picture frames on the side there looking. I never thought one day that I would be one of those players. I, I thought I'd be lucky to play 10 or 20 games. But I ended up being one of them. But as I walked through the corridors, I walked into this most magnificent football club, you know, had leadership, power, success, premiership players. But the most important thing, it was led by who I believe was the greatest president of all my time there, and that was John Elliott. He was the man that, you know, led and created the culture and instilled it into us as a young kid, Lachlan. I remember walking in and 
I got really nervous because when when John Elliott spoke, he was all about, mate, if you're not going to win premierships at this football club, you will not be remembered. And we were all based around not winning home and away games and we wouldn't celebrate so much here. We, you know, close games or whatever. It was all about us making finals footy and then going on to win premierships. And I was lucky. I got to experience that in 1995 as a 22-year-old kid. And to be honest, with the list that we had, and we only lost two games for the entire year, I thought we were going to win many more premierships after that. Now, I don't know if I, I don't think I took it for granted. I just thought the Carlton Football Club would never change the way that it was with their culture. But then, you know, the last five years of my career, when John left and we got new leadership into the football club, it's never been the same. It was a completely different environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, they haven't been able to rebuild it now. So certainly not, you know, a little click or a switch that's going to, change the culture of this football club, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Mm. They'd be, they'd be uh, well well positioned to get you there, you know, because you, you sum up that, that era of Carlton greatness. You know, it, it literally, you personify it. I want to talk to you. I mean, you're a great Australian story as well in the sense that, you know, your dad, Dimitrios, came out from Greece. Your mum, Anna, from Italy. You play in Aussie Rules, and Aussie Rules has got, you know, harks back to ancient uh, Aboriginal games. So you've got all these different cultures. And you out there, I mean, I think, you know, you really move the dial in terms of making Australia a more unified country. Um, how much pride do you have? I mean, you're, you're vice captain of the Greek team of the century. You're in the Italian team of the century. It must make you feel pretty cool on the inside to all you've done in that regard. Very proud of, uh, you know, my achievements. And uh, my father was actually born in Egypt uh, of Greek background and mum, yeah, was born in Italy. So if there was an Egyptian team in the centre, I'd probably be in that one too. But I don't think uh, we've been able to get the numbers quite up yet, but uh, I might have to search around just to give myself another accolade, you know. But uh, I am very proud. I'll be honest because, you know, my parents migrated here without their parents and basically my father came on his own. My mum did have a brother here. Um, but, you know, my mum lost both her parents by the age of 22. My father lost his mum when he was young. And then when he came to Australia, his father went to South Africa with his brother and sister and their partners. And uh, his other two brothers went back to Greece and uh, he never seen his father again. And so they didn't really have much here. But what they did have was the most incredible, like the Carlton Football Club, incredible country with, you know, freedom and opportunities and everything that they could just go and live and enjoy their life and work hard. And that's what they did as, you know, European migrants. They came here, didn't put their hand up, uh, out for anything. They put their hand up and said, where can I work? I'm happy to work. And they just worked their butt off. And I just watched them work. And I watched my mum work in the garage. I watched her slave over the kitchen. I watched my dad, you know, take us around everywhere. They were uh, incredible parents and supported me the entire way. And I always say, I never would have uh, made senior football if it wasn't for their support and my brothers, who were great also. But they just followed me everywhere. I remember mum and dad always say, you're the best, you're the best. Even I don't know if they really actually thought that or whether they just were saying that themselves. But, you know, that 1995 grand final wasn't just about me and the football club. It was about my family. And, uh, you know, as we uh, entered into the bus after the game, uh, heading off to the function, I, there was two people that stood outside. It was the two proudest parents in the world. It was mum and dad. And I don't think... They could have ever imagined, you know, what I would have been able to do, um, you know, having, you know, that experienced that. And one of the the photos that I, one of the true photos that I love and I posted on my Instagram not too long ago was a photo of my dad and John Elliott. And John Elliott, after he passed away, I posted it on my Instagram because that photo there has real significance. It was after the premiership. It was the greatest day of my life. And still to this day, I was 22 years of age. And to have Jack there, 
talking to my dad and laughing and all that, that's, me- that's a memory that I'll take with me forever. So I know how proud they were and, uh, you know, to, to come here as migrants and to see and experience what they did and, uh, you know, all those things, to walk into the change rooms. We're talking about the Carlton Football Club. We're talking about AFL. There was, it was like a religion here uh, in Melbourne. So I don't think they ever could have imagined it. So I am proud of that. And, you know, that, that, that actually means a lot to me to, to say, you know, I'm part of the Greek and Italian team of the century, two incredible cultures that I think changed change the landscape here. You know, in Australia, the Europeans brought in a lot of culture and we're very blessed to have, you know, been, you know, in this country, maybe not so much now because it's crazy madness, but to all the Indigenous people too that have allowed us to come on this land too. I, I, apart from, you know, recent times, I always pinch myself and think how lucky I am. And any time relatives came from overseas to come to this magnificent country, they were just in awe and just thought, you know, what am I doing living in Europe when I, I could be here, you know, with so much opportunity. So... I'm very blessed and lucky. Oh, well, mate, you, you represent, you know, the Italian and Greek communities so well. And, and you personally and both, you know, those cultures have made this country such a wonderful place. Um, hey, I want to talk to you in terms of uh, what you're doing now. I, I know that, you know, sort of 10 years or so ago, uh, your health wasn't the best. And people would find that hard to believe. You're the fittest bloke mm. anyone's ever seen. And then your <laughs> health's not going so so flash. Um, I know that you really you discovered a product by the name of Herbalife, which helped to get you back on track. Um, can you talk a bit about that whole journey for you? Yeah, I, well, I retired from football and I was, you know, mentally in a bad, I guess, place. I'm not going to say I was depressed. I never tried to use that word. It was the hardest time for me in my life was when I lost my dad, you know, and that was back in 1998. I was still very young and still living at home. And uh, I used to drive mum and dad to every game. And when he wasn't there in 98, my form struggled because I just my my mindset wasn't in the right place, and uh, the club was very supportive, so I was very very lucky. Um, and so when I retired, you know, I was a little bit lost. I'm like, okay, no football club wanted me back. The AFL I tried to get in the AFL. They said, you know, we don't have any spots here. But then I seen them, uh, you know, uh, sign up a couple of other players probably three months later. So it was really hard when I thought of all. You know, I walked in the Carlton Football Club at 14, left when I was 34. So 21 years of my life, I spent playing football at the Carlton Football Club and then to walk out and go, I don't know, I was the first player I played in every position. I don't know if there was any player before that that could and I achieved what I did. I would have thought there would have been something that I could then instill into maybe some other players that were you know, up and coming and maybe help out, but it wasn't the case. So I think through all the highs and you know of football, you know, the, the sponsorships of Adidas and commercials that I did and you know, although my career started very slow, then it just really, you know, exploded a little bit after that. It was hard to then go, okay, I'm going from that high, you know, contracts, you knew, you knew you're training and all that, to all of a sudden go boom down here. And that's what I experienced yeah. back then. Now, in 2010, I also then got really un, unwell health-wise. You know, sometimes I'd sleep 11 hours a night and that still wasn't enough for me. I'd go to work, I'd get home from work, I'd sleep on the couch. I went to see doctors, allergy specialists, blood specialists, whatever they told me to do, I felt worse and worse. You know, they're saying, oh, you've got too much yeast and you don't eat this, don't eat that. And I was just like lost in life. I was uh, eating organic food and that didn't help. So a friend of mine introduced me to Herbalife, not so much about the product, but about the business. But I was like, okay, I was a little bit confused with everything, but I seen the science behind the products and I knew he looked incredibly well for his age and I knew he didn't train a lot. I'm like, what have I got to lose? I trust him and whatever. I jumped on these products, but within six days, Herbalife changed my life. I bounced it out of bed after six hours of sleep. I had clarity of mind. I felt like the stress levels reduced a little bit too. And all of a sudden from there, 
I have never missed a single day of taking that product. So I thought, okay, here's a guy fit and healthy. I felt like I was invincible when I played AFL footy. I could eat whatever food, you know, Greek tan, like whatever it was. I felt great. But then all of a sudden there I was feeling, you know, really down in the dumps. Like health-wise, I stopped training for a little while as well. I'm, I'm thinking I was just waiting for some bad news to come. And these products changed my life completely. I thought, okay, these products are so good that maybe I can help a lot of people out there. And that's all I've done. There's some people are skeptic, you know, like especially when I first started, they're skeptical. Oh, what are you doing with that company? They have all their theories on it, but really don't understand what it's really like within these four walls of uh, Herbalife. And that the company and products changed my life, my mindset and everything. And from that day, you know, I've just tried to make myself a better person, be the right role model to try to inspire others too that may not be in great health-wise at the moment to looking <clears throat> for something. Now, I can't say these things are going to change your life like they did with me but I've impacted a lot of people uh, along my journey in the last 10 years. I'm going to continue to do that because I know I have remarkable products and that means we have whole foods and we in, implement some of these remarkable supplements and internal cleansing stuff that people need now to stay healthy. And so at the age of 48, people think I train every single day. Uh, I haven't been able to run in the last six or seven months because of my hip. I've just did five, I did five one minute runs yesterday. So depending on when people uh, listen to this, um, on my hip and then I'll start to continue to do that with a little bit of bike work. But to me, the most important thing is your nutrition part. Yes, train, of course, good mindset reshaping, but nutrition and mindset and mindset is also critical. Well, uh, it just quickly, I, it's it's hard to believe that the AFL and Carlton wouldn't be welcoming you back with open arms. Like that just it just makes no sense. That is just crazy. And I can I can understand or can sort of connect to that idea of how that would get you feeling pretty, you know, a bit not flash on the inside because you've given so much. You've literally, you're the face of the game for, for such a long time. And yeah, I mean, that's crazy. So it's very understandable that would have you feeling a little bit, you know, not so great. But I love the fact that through diet, you're able to get it going. And I know um, your, your motto is 20% uh, exercise, 80% nutrition, 100% mindset. And people uh, on your uh, CUDA Instagram, so CUDA Instagram, uh, you can, uh, on the link tree, there's a little link there in the bio, you can get on there and connect to Herbalife. Another thing you're doing is CUDAFIT, CUDAFIT.com. And I love this because, you know, something that we're even more conscious now because of obviously COVID, you know, it's extraordinary. We are such a great country, fit country, Olympic medals everywhere. But the fact that, you know, about uh, nearly half the country is overweight or obese. And it's and you know it's something that we need to try and tackle. Kud, I want to ask you, and I'll actually get personally relate to it. So as a kid, up until probably about fifteen or something, I was I was a big kid. You know, I probably weighed a bit similar to what I do now. And so I can understand what it, what it's like for people. So it's not about shaming people, but it's also about uh, trying to get people to see that, hey, you know, we do need to get things going better for mental, spiritual, not to mention physical health. Kuda, how do you try and connect to people who aren't, you know, sort of uh, built like a, you know, uh, like a gladiator like yourself? How do you connect to the average people out there that are trying to turn their life around in that regard? Yeah, I'm certainly not built like that anymore. I could have saw you. No, uh, I saw you on, on Facebook the other day. You look bloody good, mate. <laughs> uh, well, certainly, I've like I probably weigh very similar to when I play, but I just don't have the shoulders and don't have the muscle size of what I used to because 
I've got arthritic shoulders and, you know, just everything I just work around, but I always try to find a way to just do what I can. But I think for people out there, it's not about comparing themselves to myself or anyone else. It's about comparing of your own level 10 best and whatever that means. So Lachlan, for you, might be a little bit different. And so maybe some people, you know, it's not about the abs like myself. You know what I mean? I look in the mirror and go, I've got to make sure I've got the abs or whatever, 48, to inspire people. It's not not about the abs. It's not about the size of the muscle or the bicep, you know. It's about you and getting yourself healthy and that, whatever it is that you want to achieve. Like, you know, I've helped some people lose 45 kilos. Like 20 and 30 kilos for us is like a normal thing. We're just like, oh, yeah, well done, 20 or 30. That's okay. Anything above that, it's like, man, that, that's pretty good. But when I look at it and go, wow, man, that's a lot of kilos. But it's not just kilos as in losing muscle and the skin sagging. It's, it's a healthy way to lose it. You look good. Uh, you look younger in, you know, uh, in time. You reshape better. Your skin comes in place. You maintain your muscle mass. That to me is a healthy way of doing it. And so, with our lifestyle, if uh, I posted in my client group just even today, because um, you know I ate uh, fish and chips last night. Ange uh, owns a fish and chippery in Northgate, so I ate it last night. I, you know, overate too much salt and all those things. But with our diet, it's about being strict when you can, but then enjoying your foods too. And so, a lot of diets, it's like I'm just eat this much and I've got to weigh and measure. But if as soon as they, you know, go out of whack with whatever they're doing, they put on a kilo or two, then it's hard work for another kilo or two. I can't do it. I, I seriously wouldn't be able to do it. I love the way that I do it. I smash herbal. I've hard throughout the day. And uh, and night I just eat the foods, whatever it is that I, that I eat, and I avoid your fast food, you know, junk, junk foods or whatever. So I try to avoid it. I love my healthy burgers and I love my pizzas and I love my pastas and I love my souvlakis and I'll continue to eat that and still stay lean because I know 80, 90% of the time I'm smashing the Herbalife products and so then I can do that. And so we try with our community too, try to build it as positive as we can and make it as simple as we can. We don't try to complicate it. You don't have to weigh and measure. You don't have to be so so strict. Um, but you've got to, you know, be obviously then, you know, get the results, get energy, recover well from your training, sleep well at night. It's all these other things that to me is really important as well. It's not about you coming or someone coming to me and saying, I've lost 20 or 30 kilos and they're looking like this and they're tired. And it's it's not about that. It's about coming to me and going, look how I'm looking. So people go, man, you are looking good and healthy. No matter what age it is, you can still do it. Well, that's it. Something that's sustainable, something that's going to last, and and something that doesn't feel like torture. What you're saying just sounds fantastic. So, kudafit.com and jump on Kuda's Instagram and uh, click through to Herbalife. Hey, before we go, Dancing with the Stars, you're back. You're the 2006 champion of Dancing with the Stars. You beat Chris Hemsworth. So you beat yeah. Thor at Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> and now you come back for the All-Star season, which is going to air early next year on Channel 7. You've just uh, come back from Sydney filming that. Had, did you have a bit of fun? Good good stuff? Yeah, I did. Now, going back on Thor, he's done all right since uh, Dancing with the Stars, hasn't he? Okay, I think he's done a little bit better than me. So although I beat him, he's, <laughs> I'm looking at him now going, wow, man, you've done extremely well. But he was a great man. I had Gazy on there, Tim. There were some great people. We had celebs. We had an absolute ball. And laugh. I was least favourite to win in 2006 by the odds, and I went all the way and uh, somehow won it. So, yeah, I did get asked to go back. It was a great series. I mean, obviously, I can't talk too much about it, but I felt like there was like one or two or three levels up from the dancing capabilities of the celebs that were, were chosen in this one too, and it was fun. I had a great time in Sydney. I got to spend a bit of time in Bondi and that as well, and the weather in Sydney. I got to see sights in Sydney that I never used to, you know, 
never even bothered to go and see, but just to see how remarkable it is. It's one in, I don't know, like which other city could be like Sydney. And the, the people around that knew of me and I caught up with and took me to sites that I, I would, would not have even known it existed if they weren't, you know, locals. And I went there as a tourist, you know, to go and have a look. So I had a great time. I'm glad they asked me, like, and believe it or not, I uh, was disappointed. It, it came a time where this year you know, we're building a house and so I had to move rentals and it was a bit smaller. And uh, the crystal, you know, my mirror ball in Dancing with the Stars was there. And, um, and I, can you believe I just, because it was fell apart that I actually thought, and it actually killed me to say, all right, all right we need room. All right, it's time maybe to move on without it. Yeah. And I got the call a month later to be on Dancing with the Stars. So we talk about things that you regret in life. I just uh, I wish I just didn't do that in honesty. But look what happened. I got a call about a month later and I did the, the series again. So there you go. And I thank them, Channel 7 and Warner Brothers, because I had just such a great time. Well, on the football field, you inspire generations. Now you're inspiring people to help get us healthier, get us fitter. Uh, jump on cooterfit.com and also cooter on Instagram and uh, click through to Herbalife and Cooter Fit. It's wonderful everything you're doing. Cooter, you're an absolute gentleman. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Anytime.